just a little bit. Uh, but I'm going to invite the children who are here today to come forward now uh, for the children's message. All right, come on down. I'll, I'll, I'll meet you down here. That's not enough room for me. All right, there we go. How are we doing here this morning? Is anybody feeling like they missed an hour of sleep or something? Yeah, any adults out there? Yeah. It's like, praise the Lord for the late service today. Um, well, I, I want to talk to you guys today about, about sin, okay? Have you, guys, have you guys ever sinned before? Raise your hand if you've ever done something wrong. Something that maybe God has not told us to do. I'm, I'm raising my hand way up there because I am a sinner. We're all, yeah, all the big people could be raising their hands too, but I, I didn't really ask them to. So, we all sin, but what I want to talk to you guys about now is what do you do after you sin, okay? After you sin, what do you do? We've got options for what we can do. The first one is, you can blame somebody else. Have you guys ever done that before? My brother does it to me all the time. Your brother does it to you all the time. <laughs> Seems like you're doing it too. By, no, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, right? I've done that before. I've blamed, blamed somebody else. Do you guys remember like in the Garden of Eden when, you know, Adam and Eve, they, they eat the fruit from the tree they weren't supposed to eat from. God comes up to Adam and is like, did you eat the fruit? And Adam, like, blames Eve and God. Well, it's this woman that you put here with me. She gave me the fruit. So Adam's doing it. Then Eve's like, the devil made me do it. You know, we do this all the time. So I want you guys, um, get your fingers, get your pointer fingers ready and point them at me, okay? And say, it was him. Yeah, say it like, say, yeah, I want, I want to hear it loud. I want to feel like, I want to be like knocked backwards by the, the force of the volume and the pointing. Okay, do it again. Here, get your fingers ready. Everybody get your fingers ready and say, it was him. Oh, okay, I had to do a little acting there because you guys are a little sleepy, I think. Um, so, yeah, so we might, we might blame. We might blame other people. Okay, there are other options, though, that we could do. One would be to try harder. So we sin and we try harder because maybe we think if I just try harder, maybe that'll make God love me. That'll like take my sin away or something. So have you ever tried to do that before? Let's, let's kind of practice that. Let's, I know we're sitting down, but let's like get our, our hands and our feet ready. Kind of like we're running. Running in a sitting position. Okay, I'm going to try really hard so maybe God will love me because I've sinned. Okay, oh, that just makes me tired. Try, just to keep trying harder to make God love me. That, may, that would wear me out if I had to do that all my life. So I don't think that's our best option either. What about if we just, if we, uh, if we denied that we sin? That means we say, nope, I didn't do anything wrong. Have you guys ever tried that one before? Shake your head real fast like this. Say, nope, wasn't me. I didn't do, yeah, that kind of hurts a little bit, yeah. Makes me a little dizzy. But we might say, no, that's not really something wrong. I didn't really do anything wrong. I don't have to be sorry. What about, have you ever tried to make your sin seem like just not a big deal? I want you to take your, take, 
your thumb and your finger and go like this and try to try to pretend like you've got something really tiny in your fingers there. The, what, my sin? It's just a little bitty sin. That's all I've done wrong. Just a little bitty sin. That's not a big deal, is it? I don't know, maybe, it's, maybe it was a little bit bigger. Maybe it was really huge, you know. But we try to minimize our sin and make it, make it seem really little, don't we? Oh, I've tried that one before. Doesn't work, guys. Doesn't work. You know what I found? After you sin, the only thing that works is to just take it to Jesus. What do you guys think about that one? Have you tried that one before? That's the only one that works. Take it to Jesus. So I want you guys, we'll kind of like practice taking our sins to Jesus. Let's fold our hands. Let's close our eyes. This is kind of like a, you know, a little action that we might do to get us into the mindset to confess our sins. So let's, let's wrap up and let's pray, okay? So repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I am so sorry for all my sins. Help me to trust in you that you have taken them all away. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. All right, thank you guys very much for coming up and pointing at me and all of that. Okay, you guys can head back to your seats now. Now this really... I hope that all the adults were listening because this children's message was really kind of like the introduction to the, the big kid's sermon today. And because really it's, it's all about what we do um, after we sin. That's the important thing. What happens after we sin? The fact that we're going to sin, that's a given. That is inevitable. But what matters is what comes next. And maybe you guys have tried out some of these strategies, and you're thinking, yeah, those don't work. Maybe they make you feel better for like a day or a week or something, but not long term. What about that bringing those sins to Jesus method? That sounds like maybe something that might work. Now, we've been going through our forgiving challenge. We're on day 13 now, about to start the week of confession. And we've been talking about this, uh, this acronym, right? We have scars. Last week was the week of sin. And we're going to be making our way, I think we're going to get to like um, more positive, fun weeks eventually. But sin and confession, a little bit tricky so far. And just like last week, there was, uh, you know, that word sin might make us think of a lot of different things. Might have some baggage. It's kind of a loaded word. Well, what about the word confession? I think that sometimes we might have different things that come to our minds when we hear the word confession. You might be, I'm gonna to try to read your minds here. Some of you might be thinking of like a Roman Catholic confessional booth. You know, maybe you have memories. I was gonna say fond memories, but I don't think so. Uh, of like a Saturday afternoon spent in the confessional booth uh, laying out your sins. So maybe, you've, maybe you haven't been in one, but you've seen one on TV or in the movies or something. Now that might be what you're, what you're thinking of. It could be also that you're thinking of like a, like a traditional prayer of confession that we might say in church. You know, most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and it goes on like that. Maybe that's what you're thinking of. You might even be thinking about 
um, what's here on the screen, you know? This, this, if you looked up a definition for confession, it might be like a courtroom kind of a thing where there's a formal statement admitting that someone is guilty, guilty of a crime. Now, there's nothing wrong with a formal confession of your sins. There can be some value to that. So there, there's nothing wrong with, you know, putting together a written statement, a paragraph of like, oh, here's my confessional prayer before God. But I think sometimes, and as we read this week in the Forgiving Challenge, it's going to bring this down, there are some, some of the ways that we do this in modern times might kind of make us have a negative view about what confession is. Maybe it's been communicated to you for some reason that confession is supposed to make you feel worse about yourself, that it's supposed to just really beat you up and it's something to avoid or to dread, uh, when in reality, confession is actually this beautiful invitation that God gives to us where he offers us forgiveness and freedom in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what it is, but it's not always what we think it is. So we have to go um, here. Yeah, I, I, I've got this, by the way. First um, John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, um, talking about what is confession? You know, what's the goal of confession? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That would be lying. That would not be true confession. But here is a promise attached to confession. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's, that's amazing. That makes me want to confess. That second half of that makes me want to confess my sins. So it's not that it's, it's supposed to make you leave feeling worse about yourself. I would dread it if that was the point of it. Ugh. But instead, it is meant to lead you to Jesus. We acknowledge our sin and we acknowledge our Savior, Jesus. Confession leads us to Jesus. Now we're going to dive deep here into the story of Peter. And that's really going to be like the dominant thing about the rest of the forgiving challenge. It's going to be examining the story of Peter's sin and then how Jesus restores him, welcomes him back in, forgives him for those sins. Um, if you read last week, we learned about Peter. You know, Peter got a new name. His name was originally Simon. Then he gets called uh, the Rock or the Big Boulder. But the Big Boulder has big blunders also, three of them in one night. Some might say some of the most famous sins of all time, you know? They get memorialized in the Bible for us all to read for, for <laughs> all these years. Um, and also for us to identify with as well because we see ourselves in Peter in a lot of ways. So Peter denies Jesus three times, and I can't even imagine how he felt after that. Because you've got, you got to walk through here. So he, Jesus predicts that it's going to happen. He says, oh, never, never will I do that. And then, then it happens three times in a row. The rooster crows. He weeps bitterly because he knows what he's done. And then Jesus dies, and he thinks, well, now I'm going to have to live with this guilt for the rest of my life. 
how will I ever get over this? And then there's a twist to the story, because Jesus loves twists. Jesus rises from the dead, and these women go to the tomb on Easter Sunday morning, and it's empty. There's an angel there, and the angel says, um, go and tell his disciples and Peter that he's alive. Go and tell his disciples and Peter. And you know, you could take that a couple different ways. You could say, well, oh, wow. How far, how far Peter has fallen. He's not even on the list of disciples now. He's like in a different category. But also, I think it's a, it's a good news thing because God wants Peter specifically to know that Jesus is alive and that he's not done with Peter yet. So you have to think, like, Peter must have been, you know, all sorts of things must have been running through his head. He's thinking, wow, I really want to go see Jesus again. But then he's also probably thinking, like, well, well, Jesus, he was all about forgiveness, right? I saw him. I witnessed him firsthand forgive all these people their sins. But what about what I did, though? You know, I was one of his main like inner circle of disciples. I was with him for three years. I should have known better. Maybe he's going to hold me to a higher standard. Maybe, maybe he's not going to forgive me for the extent of my sin. So I don't know, you know, we're speculating obviously on what was in the heart of Peter, but I have to think that part of him was like, couldn't wait to see Jesus, and the other part was like, I don't know, I'm kind of dreading it a little bit though too. Don't know exactly how this is going to play out. So we have to go back in here to John chapter 21. Just read one verse here for a minute. So Peter and about half the disciples, they decide to go for a little night fishing, and they catch nothing. And then there's this mysterious figure over on the beach, and he says, hey, have you guys caught any fish? No. Well, have you tried the right side of the boat? <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> it worked. You know, and then here in verse 7, uh, John writes the gospel so he gets to take credit for being the first one to recognize uh, who Jesus was or who this person was. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It's the Lord! When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. Peter did not care about coming off as desperate, did he? <laughs> Just dives right in, you know? And they weren't even like, they weren't even that far. They were about 100 yards off, you know? Maybe could have. But it, it shows Peter is just being himself, you know? Peter doesn't really think before he speaks or acts. Just, you know, throws his coat on. You know, what's that doing for him? You know, just, he's just jumping in the water, trying to get to Jesus, not caring what he looks like, not caring that he's just a messy, broken, soaking wet guy going to see Jesus. And it teaches us something very important, that when we are coming to Jesus, it doesn't really matter so much um, how we come to Jesus, just that we come to Jesus. Because sometimes I think we, we think, oh, you've got to be a certain way, got to be all buttoned up and styled the right way, and maybe have a certain level of holiness or have the right words or something. Nah, Peter's just like, there's Jesus, I need him, I'm going. No, no further game plan than that. 
We'll come back to that. But it's interesting, too. This detail, I think it just shows the urgency <laughs> of Peter. But there's other details, too. There, there really aren't any wasted details in this story. A lot of times that's the case with the Bible. If something is written there, you're thinking, there's got to be some reason. Maybe it goes over my head, um, but there's some significance to it. So we got charcoal here. Only two times in the Bible that charcoal makes an appearance. This breakfast on the beach story with Jesus, and the other one, just about a week earlier, Peter warming his, fan, his hands over the, the fire, the charcoal flame. What's he doing when he's, when he's warming his hands? That's when he makes his big blunder, denying Jesus. This detail, you know, it's not just like, John's like, oh, I should probably mention the charcoal just for some descriptive language or something. You know, this, this is meant to tie these stories together. The sin of Peter and the restoration of Peter. Breakfast also, this is, you know, in ancient times, if you were eating with someone, that showed that you, you were in with them. You had an intimate kind of fellowship if you broke bread together. I and mean, we still talk about that kind of sometimes today, but more formally back then. But if you invited someone to eat with you who had wronged you, that was like an offer of forgiveness to them. So when Jesus invites Peter to join him for breakfast, this is a big deal. Peter, come on, eat with me. And then after they finish breakfast, he pulls him aside. And he has this little conversation that, that is very famous. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Peter's like, yeah, this is going very well. He's giving me a job. I'm still in. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter's like, well, maybe he didn't hear me, you know. Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And now Peter, Peter's heart sinks. It says he was grieved. He knows what's going on. I mean, you guys know what's going on here. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So here we have, I mean, obviously it's, it's the, the three denials, the threefold sin of Peter, and now the three questions, they, you know, kind of counteract one another. It kind of fulfills the whole thing now. But even this, you know, you might, you might have thought, you know, maybe if this was like your first time reading this, you know, you'd be thinking that this confession and absolution of Peter would probably go a different way, you know? Because it, it's, it's not a very typical way of confessing or forgiving. That's what Jesus is doing with these questions. He is forgiving Peter for his sin. He is restoring him. 
But where is Peter's proper confession? That's what I want to know. Where are the right words that he's supposed to say? Where is the, you know, where is that? You know, we teach our kids, right? There's like a right formula for how to say you're sorry, what you're supposed to do to make things right after you sin. So how do we know that Peter was really sorry? Well, there's a little bit of speculation, but, you know, we see him weeping bitterly. We hear, I, I hear it in the, his third response, Lord, you know everything. You know, that's not just the confession that, that God is all-knowing or something, although it is, but it's like, you know, Jesus, you know, you know what I did that night. You know what's in my heart. You know how torn up I've been, how my heart is broken. This is Peter, you know, this is his moment where he feels known by the Lord. And this is his bare, broken-hearted confession, even though we don't see, like, the right words of confession. Peter usually doesn't have a problem talking, does he? Well, you could say he, he does have a big problem talking because he doesn't think first or he says the wrong things, but the, the, the issue of the words coming out of his mouth is not, it's, it's not a problem for him. And actually, he's, he has two very famous confessions in the Bible. One is the best one ever. That's, that's a little tough, right? We, are, we know like already we can't have the best confession ever. Peter's already got that one. But then he's also got the worst one. The best one is when Jesus is asking his disciples, you know, what's, what's the scuttlebutt about me? And what are people saying about me? Oh, some are saying you're John the Baptist, you're Elijah, you're one of the prophets. Well, what do you guys say? You guys know me the best. What do you, what do you guys say? Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, ding, 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 ding. It's exactly right. Greatest confession ever. And on on this rock of this confession, you know, you're the rock. On this rock of your confession, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. Great confession. Gold star, all that kind of stuff. But Peter also is the owner of the worst one, which happened the day that he met Jesus. Jesus does his miraculous catch of fish trick that time too. And then Peter immediately recognizes that Jesus is a holy, is a holy man. And he says, get away from me. I am a sinful man. Well, he's half right. Right? The sinful man part, yes, you're right. But when you're confessing that to God, do you want him to get away from you? No! That's the worst thing. That's the wrong thing to say to God. When we confess our sins, we're like, God, I need you. You're the only one that can solve this problem. Don't get away from me. Stay with me and help me. So worst confession. So don't do that one. But Peter usually doesn't have problems saying things. But here, he does. He doesn't have the right words. And it teaches us the valuable lesson that God doesn't care how you come to him, but he cares that you come to him. Because God sees into your heart. He could see Peter's heart, every inch of it. He, sees, he knows everything about you. He knows what you did in your younger years. He knows what you did on Thursday. And we don't have to wait until we have achieved a certain standing with God or until we have become just 
right. Oh, I feel like I'm, I'm holy enough now to maybe go to church. I'm holy enough now to pray to God. If we, if we keep waiting for that day to come when we feel right and ready and proper and all buttoned up and everything, we have the right words and the right order, uh, we're going to be waiting too long. Either we're going to die first or Jesus is going to return first, but either way, it's not going to work out for us. God says, come as you are. Jesus says, I'm waiting. I'm cooking fish over the charcoal flame. Bring your sins to me. Doesn't matter how you come, but that you come. Now, we've been talking a lot about Peter so far. I want to set him aside for a minute. I want to go to Paul. Paul, another very famous sinner in the Bible. Just count yourself lucky that you're not as famous as these people, okay? We're all, you know, Paul's like, I'm the chief of sinners. And we're like, uh, I don't know. I've been reading this book this, these last couple weeks and think you've got company, Paul. I think I'm the chief of sinners, you know? We're all, you know, I am the chief of sinners. No, I'm the chief of sinners. We can debate that some other time. We're, we're all tied for first. But Paul had this ongoing conversation with God about this thorn in his side. We don't even know what it was. But it was something that was making him weak. Could it have been a, a battle with a persistent sin that he just couldn't shake? And he felt guilty constantly about it? Maybe. It doesn't really matter, though, what it was. But the response that God gives to him during this weak, you know, this weak state that he had applies to our conversation today, applies to our lives. God said this to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And confession is all about finally and fully admitting to God that we are weak. And that's the, that's the beauty of it. When we admit that we are weak, God is at his most powerful. That's what it is. It is a humble admission of weakness. We just fall down before God. I, I can't stand up anymore, God. I'm confessing my sins. I'm confessing my weakness. And by doing that, we are acknowledging that God has what we need. We're also confessing, God, you are the only one who has the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy. It's only the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus that contains what I need. So God, I'm just laying my broken and contrite heart before you. I don't have the right words. I'm, I can't wait long enough for myself to become a certain level of good to approach you. I'm just coming in the fullness of my weakness. Here I am. Here's my heart. Here's my sin. And it's, that, it's at that point where God shows his power, the power of the cross and the empty tomb the forgiveness that he has for us. We might sometimes doubt how much power God has. You know, this is, it's kind of a prideful thing almost, but I, I might think, well, God doesn't know about what I've done. He didn't see me coming. You know, it's like, really? When Jesus was dying on the cross, did he not factor in the sins of Jeff Smith? Did he not factor in your sins? Did you shock him by what you did? No, he factored it all in. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died for every single sin of every man and every woman who ever lived and whoever will live. He covered them all. 
He's not surprised by anything. And so we come before him and just, we just lay it all out. We admit that we are weak and that we need him. I want us here for about 20 seconds. Don't, don't worry about getting the right words. I want us to just take some quiet time and lay our heart before God. Let's confess. Brothers and sisters in Christ, because of what Jesus has done for you, your sins are forgiven. Be free in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you join me? Join me in another prayer. Lord, we thank you for leading us into this forgiving challenge for helping us to admit and acknowledge that we are sinners, for helping us to, to come to you just as we are, to, con to confess our sins. Lord, help us to trust in you. Help us to know and believe the power of your forgiveness. Give us that full freedom from our sin. That only comes from Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.